0: The following podcast has been paid for by Perched on the Top Rope.
1: This is your stats. You
2: are listening, a partial on the top rope.
0: Good afternoon, everybody. Thank you for joining us for this special call with Tony Khan to discuss the upcoming Ring of Honor Final Battle pay-per-view event at the Curtis Colwell Center in Garland, Texas. Just some quick housekeeping items in the interest of time and giving opportunities to as many people as possible. We kindly ask that you refrain from asking two-party questions. Also, please try to keep your questions focused on Final Battle this week. And as Robin mentioned, please make sure your phone is unmuted. So with that, I will turn things over to Tony for some opening thoughts, and then we'll open the line for questions.
1: Thank you very much. Hey, everybody. It's great to be here to talk about ROH Final Battle. I'm really excited about this event. Uh, It means a lot to so many of us for a number of reasons, and there's a lot of things to get excited about this year with Final Battle and I'm excited to talk to you all about them. And um, if uh, you do have two-parted questions, uh, three-parted questions, whatever they are, I'll do my best, but uh, try to get through everyone's questions and hopefully everyone gets a, a chance to talk. Thanks.
0: Great. Thanks, Tony. So we're going to start things off with Chris Mueller with Bleacher Report, followed by John Alba with Fight. Hey, Tony. Hey, I, uh, so with. MJF and Adam Cole both being injured or banged up right now, and the ROH tag titles not having appeared on ROH for quite a while, has there been consideration of maybe vacating the titles so you could potentially put them on another tag team and have them featured on ROH a little more often? It's definitely something
1: uh, to look at at some point. Okay. Uh, you know, I know that uh, it was something that MJF said it was important to him and Cole was to try and uh maintain the belts for when Cole gets back obviously it's uh, been a long road to recovery from a, a bad injury but you know we're all excited about having Adam Cole back in AEW as soon as he can come back and uh they are a great tag team for any company and certainly have been a huge part of AEW this year and a big success for us so uh with Adam Cole and MJF uh being champions i think you know it's certainly that uh is something
2: to consider great thank you
0: tony uh next up is john alba with fight followed by sean Rossap with fightball hey tony great to chat with you hope everything's going well with you Uh, i got a question about distribution for you and ring of honor uh it's been almost two years now since you purchased ring of honor where do things currently stand with your general business dealings with Warner Brothers Discovery, and does Warner Brothers Discovery view Ring of Honor as a viable property to maybe bundle in any potential deal with Ring of Honor and uh, AEW? Well, it's a great
1: question. We've had uh, really good talks with Warner Brothers Discovery. Had a great visit with them today, and uh, we've got uh, a really exciting relationship that has grown a lot over the years, and it has expanded for AEW. Ring of Honor is still really a, a third party in in the relationship and is a company that's putting on really exciting wrestling and it's I think peripheral to the conversation right now but it offers a lot of value to AEW and to media companies. There's a lot of interest in ROH and some of the most exciting wrestling and some of the most exciting stories and some of the uh, best events in ROH's history are happening now and it's really awesome that ROH has uh, all these options and also it's very complimentary for myself and my family and our business interests that, you know, the ROH meteorites and the massive library and IP are there and accessible to us as we pursue uh, new meteorites for AEW in 2024. And we also have the additional value of the ROH library with the AEW library that continued to grow, almost 220 episodes of Wednesday Night Dynamite alone, and well over 100 episodes of Friday Night Rampage, and uh, it's been an exciting half year on AEW Collision, and had a great show this past week, and I think several weeks in a row, great episodes of Collision, in particular since the Continental Classic kicked on, and Dynamite... We've had some great shows recently also, especially since the Continental Classic got going, and uh, it's been a banner year for AEW on pay-per-view, and our pay-per-view library has continued to grow with more events and great history going back to 2019. So the library is a big part of the AEW meteorites, but having the complementary value of the Ring of Honor library that I purchased with the company for what I believe is a very good value uh, in 2022. It's a very valuable asset to position in the marketplace, along with the AEW streaming library and the ability to create new events in the future from AEW and Ring of Honor and continue great traditions like Final Battle this Friday.
2: Thank you. Thanks, Tony. Next up is Sean Ross
0: Sapp with Fightful, followed by Amy Nemedy with WrestleJoy. Hey, Tony, to kind of stay on the, the ROH TV rights uh, talk, there, there were rumors that uh, before CW got involved with with other wrestling companies that they had actually been interested in possibly uh, bringing ROH on, onto their side of things. Is that accurate? And, and sort of how do you weigh that type of situation? Because I know you have basically a a, a huge bundle of availabilities coming up over the next year. Is that something that you prefer to shop all together or individually, or do you have a preference?
1: Well, starting there with the last part of the question, I would say that it is of value for us that we have this big library and additional media rights, in addition to the five hours of weekly television and the great shows with Wednesday Night Dynamite and AEW Rampage and AW Collision, and having that along with. Uh, our big pay-per-view shows and our library and then complementing that with ROH, the the new events uh, which we've had some of the best events ROH has ever had have been in the last couple years in the time we've owned the company and the ability to go back and look at some of the greatest wrestlers in the world. A lot of them are in AEW now and, and some of them wrestle in other companies all over the world and great to be able to look back at that library of events but Definitely, I think that is a value add for both AEW and Ring of Honor to be aligned with media rights that are coming up for AEW in 2024. It's going to be uh, a very exciting time for AEW, and it's great to have ROH there as a strategic value. And then, as far as the TV rights, we've had a lot of interested parties. I've been, for the reasons we just talked about, the aforementioned parts that we just discussed uh it's definitely something i've been holding on to and haven't had a lot of detailed conversations i think cw's great network and we did have a visit dennis uh visited us at the forum uh last year and it was great and uh i have a lot of respect for dennis miller and the cw folks and i think uh you know the timing uh for us wasn't necessarily right but i think there was a lot of great uh interested people in the marketplace in both aw and roh and i think for uh you know 2024 it'll be really exciting uh, uh time for uh pro wrestling and roh i think added good value going forward in this exciting uh opportunity for aw and roh and it's also been great to keep roh thriving, and it's proven that it's adding a lot of value to the wrestling ecosystem. There's great matches that have happened, things that are really important and wouldn't have been possible without the purchase of ROH. First and foremost, in my mind, would be the trilogy between FTR and the Briscoes last year across the three major ROH events we've held from Supercard of Honor 22 in Dallas here in this area and to, uh, of course, Death Before Dishonor in Massachusetts and then uh, coming back to the Dallas Metroplex for a final battle last year for the third and final match, the dog collar match after the, the, the first match in Dallas had been so great and the two out of three falls match at Death Before Dishonor in Massachusetts I thought was off the charts. And then, you know, arguably the greatest of the trilogy was here in Dallas, the final battle. And I've seen people question why the event, uh, the significance of keeping the event uh, around Dallas. That's a lot of the significance around the event. And I can certainly elaborate on that more, and you know, when you have uh, great things we've been able to do with ROH that wouldn't have been possible, including FTR versus the Briscoes, which you know, wouldn't have been possible uh, otherwise, and things we've done like what i'm so excited to talk more about on this call such as the AEW women's world championship match with athena versus billy starks where athena has been on this dominant run tearing through opponents for a year and she's had some incredible matches on TV and on pay-per-view and reached new heights as a champion she's been uh, from Every step of the way in this new ROH, over the past year, Athena has been there, and then by her side, recently, she had this 18-year-old wrestling genius that she took under her wing to some extent, but also kept at a distance, and the way that the two of them connected and uh, the relationship between them that formed and then uh, the conflict that has arisen and the way that Lexi Nair is uh, both a host of ROH and a minion in Athena's words, I think has added a lot to the story. It's just been really fun to have that story play out and we've been able to give it time and attention. I've been able to fo- sit with the three of them every single week and focus on it in a way that could be potentially challenging in AEW potentially to develop uh, an 18-year-old wrestler like billy starks who is so far along especially when you consider uh her incredible young age and her her progress at 18 and how far she's come to be wrestling in this huge main event world championship match it's a really big deal and i think roh made it possible along with the hard work of billy starks and athena and to some extent lexi nair and everyone involved uh so yeah I I I think it's been uh great for many reasons and I really enjoyed it as you can tell on a wrestling level but I also think there's a lot of strategic value in it and uh really excited about final battle this week but definitely have been cautious about uh going too far with some of the interest we've had in the product from people that have visited us since I bought ROH and because I really value the the relationship with Warner Brothers Discovery, it's it's been great for us, and I think uh, it's a big opportunity for AEW coming up in two thousand twenty four, and ROH can be a big part of that. And the ROH purchase has been a big part of the success of AEW. When you look at uh, having the the footage and all of the unopposed trademarks and everything we acquired just regarding all in and what a massive success all in has been the inaugural event and the historic success for AEW of the inaugural all in at Wembley stadium. And now having all in again, and and the huge advance uh, that proves we were right to go back. And this is going to be a massive event consistently for AEW and a home run for the fans in London, getting the biggest wrestling event in Europe in their market and, and, having it uh you know really be something that i think was enhanced by the roh purchase and having that that footage and being able to recall uh the pre-aw inaugural all-in uh that really uh foreshadowed a lot of what was to come and that would not have been possible without roh so uh i do think uh it'll be very very cool to have the two complementary products uh, in the market at
0: the same time thanks thank you tony next up is amy nemedy with wrestlejoy followed by jason powell of prowrestling.net
3: hi tony i am so glad that you brought up athena and billy starks because that is exactly the question that i wanted to ask you about So Athena won the ROH Women's Championship last year at Final Battle, and honestly, she's put the ROH Women's division on the map this year, becoming perhaps the greatest ROH Women's World Champion of all time. While she's been on her incredible winning streak, Billy Starks has also been amassing one of her own. She has nine straight wins in singles matches, but her last defeat came at the hands of Athena herself and the Owen Hart Cup uh, quarterfinals at Forbidden Door. I'd like to sort of pick your brain a little bit and see how this match came together, what the involvement was. Did you know back at Forbidden Door that this is what you wanted? Did you know all the way back at Final Battle last year? Can you talk a little bit about the process of this storyline coming together, especially as all three members of it have been consistently knocking it out of the
0: park?
1: Yeah, it's been a tremendous process, and I really like working with Athena and Billy Starks and Lexi Nair and I visited with Athena and Billy every single week since Forbidden Door, and the way this has all come together, it's been tremendous, and it's really uh, great working with two amazing professionals. You sometimes forget how young Billy is because uh, she's very mature past her age and has great ideas and input, and Athena is one of the best wrestlers in the world and doing, I think, the best work of her career to this point right now in the moment as we speak. And it's good, really great collaborating with them. And I think I've been able to add ideas and, and help put things in perspective and do some great, story, great storytelling on the ROH TV with them. And Lexi has added so much. To the story and become an indispensable part and that's why I felt she had to be the special guest ring announcer for this match as she will be the special guest ring announcer for the Athena versus Billy Starks ROH Women's World Championship match at final battle this Friday and uh, the way things have come together it's really they had so much chemistry and uh, some fun ideas at the start Really. Uh, got people talking, and I remember on a Saturday going down to the ring uh, very early in the day, well ahead of the live show uh, or the ROH taping, well ahead of the live collision that day, and it was uh, one of the very early collisions. Of course, collision, you mentioned Forbidden Door, and that was uh, right around the time that show started was around Forbidden Door, and I think it's been very additive to the AEW pay-per-view product, but also I've really enjoyed being able to work with the different people on ROH on the Saturdays every week. And I think it's been good for that, that that crew and some of the great veteran wrestlers that are on collision to work together. And certainly one of the great veteran wrestlers every Saturday there has been Athena. And I really have enjoyed working with the two of them. And it was early on, I went down to the ring and, said i think this is really getting a lot of steam uh and i think we should stay with this and we can uh really make this something very special and i you know had some ideas and they've had some great ideas and come together every week and uh it's been a great collaboration and everybody involved athena and billy and myself and lexi as well uh I put great things into it every week and uh, you know. Since the summer, we've been having a lot of fun with it, and we're excited for a final battle. And it'll it'll be something really special. I think Athena and Billy really deserve this spotlight, and it'll be a great main event match for the ROH Women's World Championship, Athena versus Billy Starks, on Friday night.
0: Thank you, Tony, and thanks, Amy. Next up, Jason Powell with ProWrestling.net, followed by Samantha Shipman of The Daily DDT.
1: Yeah. Hey, Tony, you previously said that you don't view Ring of Honor as a developmental brand and you pointed to the, the brand's champions with Eddie Kingston giving up the ROH title to create the Triple Crown title. Uh, we've also had Samoa Joe forfeit the TV title. The Young Bucks and Hangman Page lost the six man titles. It just makes me wonder, has anything changed in terms of what your vision is for Ring of Honor? Well, I think, you no, know, no, it hasn't. Uh, and I think we'll have a really consistent and sustainable uh, company that we've been able to build that has great shows and has put a lot of great matches into the wrestling ecosystem that I was very excited to revive because it has a great history and had a lot of value that it could add to my own portfolio personally, but also to the world. And I think what we're seeing here, with this event and you look at some of the matches that I don't think necessarily with the five hours of AWTV that as far as having every week, the, the the consistency there, I don't know if it would have been possible to develop those stories. And certainly for some of the young wrestlers, I think it's been excellent, but we have a great veteran group and it's really about great wrestling and a prestige product. So Eddie Kingston put the ROH World Championship and the New Japan Strong Openweight Championship up as part of this huge Continental Classic. And now every time we go out for these matches, you see the three belts out there, including the ROH World Championship, along with that New Japan Strong Openweight Championship and the AEW Continental title in the bag. And I think it's really important to note that whoever comes out of the Continental Classic, when you look at this, incredible field with 12 wrestlers, any of them would be a great champion. They're all very established stars. And the way the tournament's shaking up and the exciting leaderboard for the tournament in the Gold League and Blue League, respectively, I think it's something to watch for that there's going to be a great world champion coming out of this for ROH at this point, no matter who wins the Continental Classic. And that'll be somebody that'll defend all these championships across promotions and be a touring champion tying together this wrestling universe it's it's very exciting we've had cross promotion working with new japan pro wrestling in particular but this offers more opportunities to have a touring champion uh like i grew up following and i also think it's uh you know with the champions in addition to the ring of honor world championship you look at the women's world championship and it's held by such a great veteran and we have that incredible main event to look forward to with athena versus billy starks and it's a great example of uh where i think a young wrestler with tons of upside has been the beneficiary of working with such a incredibly talented and respected veteran like Athena. And I think we have some great champions in the company right now. There's also some great young wrestlers, and it's a great blend. And without having uh, all the, com- the, the, the necessary elements of other televised wrestling shows, by having the, the, the streaming product we have right now also, uh, we're not as uh, locked into specific format times so people can have longer matches or in some cases if they're not ready to have longer matches shorter matches and uh not be thinking about commercial breaks or uh you know certain aspects of it but there are other aspects that it's great for the people to learn working on television working in the same arenas with the same production staff and and there's a lot to be said for it for the young wrestlers but it's also a great group of top veterans and a prestigious wrestling product with prestigious championships
2: thanks so much tony
0: next up we have samantha shipman with the daily ddt followed by bill pritchard with wrestlezone hi tony hi Uh,
3: i have a question for you Uh, i guess athena is the woman of the hour here uh and i've what's you know i would agree with i believe amy said that athena has been probably just i think the best champion in in the world uh the best women's uh, champion in the world um but what we've seen with athena is she has defended her title completely in roh where we've seen our other roh champions defend it in AEW. and is there a specific reason why she only defended her title in roh and then regardless of who wins on friday Can we see the champion defending their title in AEW, or are they going to be strictly on honor
1: club? Well, I'm certainly open to Athena appearing in AEW and other places. I think it's uh, really great to have somebody who's a great ambassador for a company like Athena. One thing that's been really consistent and great about ROH is Athena's been very much a part of that show and focused on that show, and I think her work has been one of the strongest things about the ROH show. So, you know, I think if Athena, uh, you know, is uh, focused on ROH and focused on AEW, that's great too. I think uh, with Billy Starks, you have somebody that is a great challenger that would be a great champion for ROH, but also somebody people would be excited to see in AEW. So I think both Billy and Athena would offer something to any wrestling company they're competing with. But one thing, looking backwards at this past year and reflecting on 2023, I believe Athena's work on ROH was quite possibly, likely the strongest, most consistent thing throughout the year. And it's been really nice having that anchor. And I do think... Billy Starks now has been uh, somebody that's been on the rise, as we mentioned, had been on a nine-match winning streak, uh, will have uh, a chance to continue an unbeaten run and become champion, and it's a match with very high stakes for ROH. I think whoever wins would be great to wrestle in any promotion, including AEW, and also would be a major focus of the
2: ROH shows going forward. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Tony. Next up, Bill Pritchard with WrestleZone, followed by a write-in from Steve Ball with Ten Count.
2: Hey, Tony, how are you?
1: Hey, doing well, thank you. How are you?
0: Good. Uh, I wanted to ask about uh, Samoa Joe's title reign and you know, if there was ever a discussion to keep the title on him, I know you're having the the finals of this tournament at final battle, the survival of the fittest finals. Um, but was there ever any discussion to maybe have him lose it in a match rather than go the tournament route or, you know, just keeping him as a double champion in general, since it's something we've seen in other areas of AEW? Yeah, I do think that's something to consider.
1: Uh, the World TV title had been, such a, con- a consistent focus on the TV show, and Samoa Joe had defended it many times. And given the nature of a TV title, I think it is- will be good to have a champion that can participate consistently on the ROH TV and be a fighting champion. That Samoa Joe has been such an incredible champion. He was the longest reigning champion of all time and made uh, an incredible list of defenses. And when you look back at all the great wrestlers Samoa Joe fought, for the ROH TV title in the over one year reign I think it was incredible and I also think now with AEW Samoa Joe has become a huge focus of the AEW promotional considerations and definitely uh, for Samoa Joe I do think uh, it made a lot of sense for him to be a focus because he's such a huge star for AEW, there's a lot of commercial benefits to having a huge star of Samoa Joe's stature on AEW television every week. And it felt like as big as uh, Samoa Joe's presence on AEW has become, it would be, become challenging for him to defend the championship. So relinquishing it at that point, I think, uh, did make some sense. And to him personally, it made sense because he had accomplished everything he had ever set out to. He became the longest reigning, most dominant champion and set his sights on a new goal, which is for AEW World's End, which is coming up soon in a matter of weeks. And we know it'll be MJF versus Smojo for the AEW World Championship. They had an awesome match earlier this year in New York at AEW Grand Slam, and I'm excited for the rematch at World's End. Thanks.
0: Thanks, Tony. I have a write-in here from Steve Fall with ten count. Tony, how would you create the card for Final Battle? Do you write down the matches you'd like to see and then work backwards on ROH TV? Well, it's a great question.
1: For the most part, it was thinking about uh, the end game. Certainly, with the it's different matches have different uh, stories and different ways we got here. Uh, certainly, with the and Billy Starks. It's been a long process to get to this match and a lot of storytelling and really hard work by both Athena and Billy and the great team on the production and Lexi Nair and everybody that helped get this to a huge world championship main event match coming up this Friday at the Billy Starks. Something that I had wanted to see and I couldn't put my finger on what quite the right thing was, but it meant a lot to me. And doing a show in Dallas this week means a lot is the fight. It, it normally would call it a fight without honor, but it doesn't really feel right here. That really, we have a lot of honor, and I think we are uh, trying to honor Jay Briscoe, Jamin and he is somebody I actually first met in Dallas at ROH when I had my first show after acquiring the company at Supercard of Honor in 2022. And speaking of Samojo, we just talked about him. That was where he arrived. And for the Briscoes, that was the first time I ever met the Briscoes. First time I ever met Jamin or Mark and got to know them and work with them and had such a great experience. Uh, and of course, they're was so much great to come with them in ROH that year across the great trilogy with FTR. And I think FTR and the Briscoes are going to be linked forever together. And I've said that to so many people and I really believe it. And I thought this match would be something really cool for the fans in Dallas. A lot of them were at the dog collar match last year. And in particular, you know, for the people involved, there's a lot of people involved that really care about Jay Briscoe and to have FTR team up with Mark Briscoe. I thought that would be something special and though looking back at things we had teased on the major ROH events and things I've always wanted to do. There's, there's, we've certainly alluded to FTR versus the BCC and, uh, you know, as I've often said, uh, About as an example, uh, the uh, Sopranos—they—they ended up never playing the uh, Russian in the Woods card that they had uh, established for themselves. But um, you know, I've had this FTR versus BCC match also. That um, that two groups, FTR the tag team and the BCC—they've—they've bumped up against each other a lot. There have been interactions uh, recently on Collision. We've seen them aligned in many ways and we can see they they respect each other and and i think that's been evident for a long time and brian danielson has a really long history with the briscoes and brian danielson and jay Briscoe wrestled 20 years ago at this event at final battle 2003. so to have final battle be the one year anniversary of the dog-collar match and then learning it's the 20-year anniversary of Danielson versus Jay Briscoe, it just felt right, and I wanted to do something special, but when you care about somebody and when you want to do something uh, to honor them, like I wanted to do something for Jay Briscoe, it can be hard, and it can be hard to focus, and then it just kind of came to me, and I went to the BCC individually and talked to the different guys in the BCC about the match. And I talked to Brian Danielson, and uh, it, it made so much sense to him. And he pointed out a lot of great information about his history with the Briscoes and with Jay Briscoe specifically that I thought added a lot to the match. And uh, then with John Moxley, you know, I'd asked him, he had limited. Uh, involvement ever before in ROH but for this he really was very cool about it and wanted to be involved in it and has a lot of respect for Jay Briscoe and had a great match to start the Continental Classic first episode with Mark Briscoe and I think that will be uh, very special and then Claudio has so much history with the Briscoe family and uh, we saw earlier this year before Mark and Claudio were set to go one-on-one and Mark had a knee injury, so it's fitting now at the one-year anniversary of that great final battle show where I know Claudio also had a chance to catch up with Jay Briscoe at that show. We talked about it a bit because, of course, Claudio won back the Ring of Honor World Championship that he's fighting for now in the Continental Classic to regain for a third time in even grander fashion as part of this new triple crown with the AEW Continental Championship and the New Japan Strong Openweight Championship, and to have Claudio in par- as part of the Continental Classic, but also fighting through this match uh, shows how much uh, Jay Briscoe meant to him and to so many of us. And when you've got the Continental Classic competitors uh, stepping outside the competition, taking on this kind of a challenge, shows how important it is. And you have some of the biggest stars in wrestling coming to ROH because this is important and this is where. Uh, so many of us saw Jay Briscoe for the last time, including myself, and I saw him that day in the arena in da- Dallas, and then uh, a lot of people back at the hotel afterwards, and uh, I always enjoyed visiting with Jay Briscoe outside of work, and uh, I've gotten to know Mark outside more now, too. Uh, Mark, Mark comes out and visits us more, uh, too, is has been more sociable. Uh, this last year, kind of taking Jay's spot there. And uh, uh, I think, um, you know, for a lot of people, that they'll look back at final battle in Dallas last year as uh, an important memory, so it's full circle to bring it back here uh, to, you know, his last match in ROH, and uh, what a classic final match, uh, that dog-collar match, but also – a lot of personal memories for a lot of us, and for Dallas being the first place I met him, and then the last place I saw him, and the first and last place I ever worked with him, it means a lot. So, uh, when it took, a, it didn't couldn't come up with a perfect idea right away, but when I did have a good idea, I think we ran with it for supporting Jay Briscoe, and uh, that's what we're trying to do for, for the Pew family, because they're awesome people, and uh, we love them very much. And uh, then, uh, in addition to that, uh, you know that that big six man fight and the ROH Women's World Championship match that we talked about. Um, there were other matches on the card who took a different road to get here. We talked a lot about Samoa Joe. I was looking back at history of ROH and Survival of the Fittest is a staple. And staying true to ROH history, I thought it would be very cool to have a Survival of the Fittest match. Get a lot of the exciting stars involved and we had a lot of big names in the survival of the fittest and uh already with five of the competitors locked in and some really exciting uh people that are very popular and then we had some other wrestlers that have been competing in japan and i wanted to see how they fit you know how they fared and frankly if they came back healthy that it looks like they're going to be back so i'm optimistic being able to even add a little bit more to the card now uh with our wrestlers returning from japan and uh of course, there's also been some Lucha Libre presence on this card in the past, and we have some of that in the Survival of the Fittest, but I might might uh, be making an addition there as well. And uh, when we talk about story, of course, I was really uh, enjoyed working with Ethan Page and Tony Nese, nice, who brought a lot of great ideas uh, for their program, and they're two people that really wanted to wrestle each other and have, uh, have built some great interest, and I really enjoyed working with them. I think they're with some good buzz for the contract signing segment we did this past week for that I quit match and uh, t- this Thursday on the go home ROH, uh, which we'll look forward to kind of turning our focus to uh, uh, after Wednesday night dynamite tomorrow night. Uh, you know, we'll hear from everybody on that go home show before final battle and I think uh, there's some really exciting stuff on the card and uh, you know, it all took different journeys to get here, some of them uh a long plan and some of them by necessity circumstances that arose and uh no circumstance more tragic than uh what you know that what the fact that jay is not here with us at final battle this year but uh i think the card um is going to be a really great show on friday i'm excited for the
2: event thank you
0: thank you tony I have another write-in here with Kimmy Sokol from The Pop Break, who will be followed by John Pollock with Post Wrestling. Kimmy writes, How would you evaluate Ethan Page's work so
2: far in Ring of Honor?
1: I think Ethan Page is doing a tremendous job, and he's been very additive. He also had a great match with Kenny Omega on Collision in AEW, and I think getting some ring time under his belt, he wanted to get out and have. Uh, matches and if there was ever a week where he wasn't, uh, you know, having a match in AEW, he said, I want to please book me an ROH anytime. I really want to do it. And uh, he had some great matches and became a staple of the program. And then this involvement with Tony Neese, I think has been great for both of them and has shown the value they add to any wrestling program and uh, should be a great match and it's become a heated rivalry. And uh, you can look back and how it got here on the ROH TV and I think it's been uh two great wrestlers having an opportunity to showcase themselves when it's sometimes jam packed with big names on AEW TV they're great names too uh, Tony and Ethan and I think uh you know you asked about Ethan Ethan somebody that uh really double dipped he had the great contract signing this past week on Thursday and then on Saturday had an awesome match with Kenny Omega On collision that did very well and did a good rating and he did very well in the match and uh, tremendous for both men and I think meant a lot to Kenny and Ethan to have a big match in their home country Canada and uh, I think uh, now he will have a big match Friday at final battle so he's doing great stuff thanks for asking
0: Thank You Tony Next up, we have John Pollock with Post Wrestling, followed by Paul Barry from Newsweek. Hey, Tony. The last time we got an updated figure from you for Honor Club was around uh, 15,000 subscribers. I was just curious if there's an updated figure you can share. And are you viewing this experiment on Friday as such of seeing how it does as an exclusive to Honor Club? Or could we see it go back to pay-per-view in the future? How are you viewing that decision?
1: Well, it's a great question. Uh, I think for, this has been tremendously successful in terms of gaining new subscribers. So at least as an experiment, I think it's been a big win. We have a pay-per-view coming up with World's End that we're very focused on. Expanding the AEW pay-per-view calendar has worked really well. There's a lot of interest in World's End. The tickets are moving very well. And the Continental Classic has been some of the best AEW TV ever and we've had some of our best matches and people have really enjoyed the shows if you haven't seen dynamite collision or rampage this past week with danielson versus garcia uh the aw shows have been featuring great matches from the continental classic and i think with the final coming as we've been saying uh consistently across the shows coming at world's end i think there'd be a lot of interest in that and I talked before about Samoa Joe. Of course, this is the ROH final battle call, and we talked about Samoa Joe because he's the greatest TV champion ever, and now the TV championship is up for grabs in the survival of the fittest match, and I think Samoa Joe versus MJF, as I mentioned, is a match that I'm very excited to see, and I think a lot of fans are excited for the rematch after they had a great main event at Grand Slam Dynamite. Uh, And coming up on World's End, I think it makes sense for the timing of this event, at least as it stands right now, but we've had great returns on ROH pay-per-views. There's definitely a market for it. When we put on these events, we've seen uh, big box office return, and it's been a great part of the investment. You know, I talked about the investment I made in ROH. and When you look at the revenues off the pay-per-views, they're the biggest revenues ROH has ever done on pay-per-view. And if we did, if we do decide to go back to or stay with that model long term, uh, it'll be because we've had a lot of success as promoters with AW and now ROH at selling pay-per-views. And now this is uh, putting some folks on the WatchROH.com, the Honor Club product. We've been able to drive more subscribers in recent weeks and expect to have another big week for subscribers here with final battle, uh, as, as we've seen the increase on the run up to the event and it should be, uh, really cool stuff, uh, for us, uh, going forward. Uh, and really, uh, also we have a lot of options for how we want to disseminate the content going forward for streaming versus pay-per-view or whatever combination, uh, but this has definitely uh, been a successful experiment
2: to grow watchroh.com.
0: Thanks. Thank you, Tony. Next up, we have Paul Berry with Newsweek, followed by Derek Reed with Keystone Broadcasting. Hey, Tony. Uh, Great meeting you on Honor Club this week for the contract signing. I hope you're keeping Mark Sterling's card in a very safe place. Um, Obviously, Uh, MJF has a lot on his plate between Samoa Joe and Wardlow and the devil Adam Cole's injury Roddy yelling at everyone walking red carpets with John Cena but as the scumbag of the people when will we see the tag team champions follow your lead and appear on honor club
1: it's a great question uh and uh I think it's something to uh to you know consider here um with MJF and Adam Cole and uh, the Tag Team Championship was actually the very first question I answered to some extent was, you know, uh, reflecting on how important MJF and Adam Cole have been to AEW this year, but also uh, how they uh, would raise the profile of any company, including ROH, where they're the champions, but certainly with Adam Cole's injury, uh, they have not been able to make regular appearances, so that is something to consider, absolutely. But thank Great. you, and I do. I, I did to 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 follow up though, Danny. I did. Uh, I did keep uh, Mark Sterling's card in a very safe place, and uh, you never know when you're going to need a Mark Sterling. So thank you very much.
0: Thanks, Tony. Next up, Derek Reed with Keystone Broadcasting, followed by a write-in with from Joey Galizia with Purists. Ah, uh, hi. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Um. I was kind of wondering about the pure division, um, you know, with the Triple Crown Championship being created. Uh, it seems like the champion's going to be working in three different spots, really. And is that going to shine more of a light on the pure division? Are you looking to maybe maybe reinstitute the rankings, but in the ROH pure category?
1: Well, it's a great question. Uh, I think that the pure championship has gained a lot of profile. And one reason for that, well, there's multiple reasons. I think we've had great champions. And three people who helped raise the profile of the title, I believe, are uh, Daniel Garcia, who was a champion at one point, and somebody who I have a lot of respect for, and another person I have a lot of respect for is the current champion, Wheeler Uta, who is a multiple-time champion, and the only multiple-time champion, and is... Not necessarily the most honorable wrestler, and certainly not the most popular member of his own faction, the Blackpool Combat Club. Definitely not the most popular guy in the BCC. But uh, he is uh, a great champion, and I think having two great young wrestlers fighting for the title, like Yuta and Garcia, has added so much to the championship. And also, we've seen the profile raised, in my opinion, by Katsuyori Shibata, who I feel has been wrestling's greatest champion. And any time he defended the ROH Pure Championship, I believed in the stakes and the importance and the honor of the championship. And when it comes to the pure title, uh, I think Katsuyori Shibata has been really important to Raising the profile of the championship, and now Wheeler Yuta has very big shoes to fill. And Wheeler Yuta's a great wrestler, and he's very capable of doing that. I think when he uh, wants to do it. So there's a lot of uh, exciting stuff to keep a keep an eye on when it comes to the ROH Pure Championship. Uh, you know, the, it was uh, a blow struck against Honor when uh, uh, Wheeler Yuta was uh, took advantage of uh, Katsuyori Shibata and uh you know uh i do think katsuri shibata will be back and i'm uh, very optimistic about him making a return thankfully and thanks to hook uh showing up in time to to help him and uh you know katsuri shibata uh, when he returns uh, will certainly be looking for payback and uh, i think that's helped the championship and certainly when you have somebody that's been through what shibata's been through and has. uh has been, you know, I think uh, through some of the most challenging circumstances to mount a comeback in pro wrestling history and done it with flying colors and then became a great champion against all odds and all expectations. That's a great story. So uh, that's something to keep an eye on also. And I have a lot of respect for all three of those men. Garcia. Yuta, and Shibata, and I think all of them add a lot uh, to any wrestling promotion and certainly have added a lot to ROH as the pure champion.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Tony. Um, I have a write-in here from Joey Galizia of Wrestle Purists. Tony, New Japan Pro Wrestling just announced that they're launching a global championship. So based on your relationship with New Japan, Do you foresee that title being defended in Ring of Honor or AEW, and would that affect any type of plans with the Triple Crown Championship?
1: I certainly would be open to having any of New Japan's great champions defending the title in AEW or ROH or uh, any promotion. I think that's great, and New Japan Pro Wrestling has uh, a really, really exciting roster. They have some of the best wrestlers. And we have a really exciting opportunity going forward to present what I believe is uh, a, a a unified champion across uh, the Triple Crown, the three titles, the AEW Continental Championship along with the New Japan Strong Openweight Championship and the ROH World Championship. So uh, with any New Japan champion, we would certainly welcome them to compete as part of the same spirit uh, of competition and the partnership with New Japan Pro Wrestling. So we're excited about that news, and uh, certainly that uh, creates another exciting opportunity in the world of pro wrestling with the great roster that New Japan offers.
0: Thank you, Tony. And we're going to close here today on a question from Ella J with SE Scoops. Any news on who the sixth competitor will be in the TV title, uh, TV title, survival of the fittest match?
1: Well, stay tuned uh, to ROH. We've got a great five competitors, of course, the sixth in the survival of the fittest, and we've been following it here, uh, and um, we'll uh, be announcing more and uh, keeping people engaged. Uh, on the run-up to the event. And there's still uh, a little bit more uh, to go, a few more days and one more TV. So, uh, but I'm excited uh, about the survival of the fittest match and it's a great question, Ella, and I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you, everyone. We are now at the end of our time. We'll be distributing an audio recording to all attendees shortly. And we thank you again for being a part of today's call. We're looking forward to you joining us for AEW Dynamite tomorrow night. Ring of Honor Final Battle on Friday night and AEW Collision on Saturday night. Thank you.